Well, guys, as you're uh, as you're finding your seat, I want to invite you to take out your Bible, open it up, or turn it on, and go to Matthew chapter 25. Today, we're going to look at verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25. Verses 14 through 30. Also, if you will um, uh, reach inside of your worship bulletin, you'll find today's message notes. The scripture passages are printed there for you. And uh, some next steps on the back and your scripture reading for this week coming up. It's all printed on the back for you. And uh, also, the scripture passages are going to be on the screens behind me uh, in just a minute or so. Have you ever had um, one of those moments, you know, almost just out of the blue, where um, it's just a sobering moment. It, it sobers you up from just doing life as, as normal um, to reality. Yesterday morning, I had one of those moments. You know, woke up, had plenty to do. Um, uh, I was going to go to the hospital, and I, I did go to the hospital and spend much of the day with uh, Donnie and his family. Um, but I, I, have some, I had some other things I had to get done first, and so I was uh, just out in the garage taking care of a couple of those things, and my mother called and told me about my sister's daughter, or I'm sorry, my, my cousin Tina's daughter. She'd been in an automobile wreck, didn't know how serious it was. And so I, I just called Tina and, you know, I was thinking bumps, bruises, scrapes. I was not expecting crushed knee, broken ribs, collapsed lung, multiple fractures in her body, maybe a broke neck, but they weren't sure about that because they were so worried about the head trauma that she has. They'd done a CT scan, there's bleeding in the brain, but they, they don't know how much. They, they can't give a prognosis. It could be several days before they can start bringing her off of ventilators and uh, things that they're using to keep her body stable. And just for a moment, I, I thought, am I dreaming? Is this, is this really happening? And some of you know that. You know it on an even greater level. You know, just the reality of the moment. And, and a lot of times the, the reality of life shows up in how fragile life can be. And how quickly everything in life can turn. You know, like one minute... Natalie, her friend Ivy, and, uh, and another friend, they're just having a grand old time. They're teenagers. Everything is, everything's cool. Everything's good. You, maybe you remember what it was like when you were a teenager. You never saw danger in anything. Well, some of us didn't. But in a moment, everything in their lives have changed. Whether they live or not. Everything has changed for them.
This passage of Scripture is meant to be a sobering moment to reality, present reality and future reality for the disciples that were following Jesus a couple thousand years ago and those of us who would call ourselves his disciples and followers today. It's meant to be one of those moments where you just stop with the normal. You know, the the things in life that we do every day that keep us busy and, and blind us to what real life is all about and what the future could be like. It's meant to make us just stop and really consider our lives. And so I hope that it'll have that effect on us this morning. In the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus gives the parable of the talents, he's uh, very close to going to the cross. And so in chapters 24 and 25, parts of 26, Jesus is giving his disciples some final instructions about their lives. Now, in the beginning part of chapter 25, the first 13 verses, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the end times. You'll you'll see the reference here when we dive into verse 14 in just a moment. But he's explaining the kingdom of heaven to them. What do you think the kingdom of heaven is? Because at first glance, or when we first hear that word heaven, we think, oh, he's talking about the the place up there somewhere. He's talking about that paradise that's, you know, uh, up there somewhere. We think about a place. In reality, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is anywhere that God reigns, anywhere that God is in control. Like in your life, Billy, in my life, in your life, Mike, if Jesus is our Lord, then the kingdom of God is in our lives. And wherever we go, we take the kingdom of God with us. But it also means, and it's what Jesus means here in this context when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he is talking about the end of the age, the end of the world as we know it. He's talking about that time in the world when Jesus zips up everything that's happened from the beginning of history until that moment. And then we move off into judgment day. So Jesus warns them about it in verses 1 through 13 But then in verses 14 through 30, the passage we're going to connect with today, Jesus says, in the meantime, this is how you should live. He's already told the disciples, be ready. And in these verses, he teaches us how to be ready. This parable is often called the parable of of the talents. And I think I ought to give you a definition or two, explain a couple of things before we dive in because it'll it'll make better sense. Talent is a measure of weight. It's the weight of money. One talent, and usually it's the weight of silver or gold, one talent is depending on whether it's silver or gold or a mixture, is worth 
about 15 years of annual wages for the average man living in the first century. So it's very valuable. It means more than money, although in the text that I'm going to read this morning, it it uses bags of silver instead of the word talent. So when you see bags of silver, you need to be thinking, okay, this is not only money. It's not only silver of gold, but it's, it's treasure. It's valuable. It, it's important. But it also means our abilities, our capabilities, talents and gifts that we, that we have. I, I laugh every now and again. There's a guy on Sports Center on ESPN. He doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Scripture. And... Uh, I kind of chuckle a little bit every time I hear him talk about a certain sports player who has mad talent. Talent is a biblical word. We adopted that out of the Greek language, and we just use it for a person's skills and abilities. And so I just think it's funny that he doesn't believe in God or believe in the Scriptures, yet every time he says talent, he's speaking the Word of God. This is a parable, and a parable is a spiritual principle that's told in an earthly context. So what Jesus is doing is he's taking an eternal spiritual principle, and he's putting it in a story in terms where human beings can easily identify with it and understand it. Okay, are you with me? I haven't put you to sleep yet? Okay. Give me time, I will. So Jesus begins. He's been teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, again, or here we go again. This is another illustration. This is another story. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, the spiritual emphasis is here is that Jesus is the one who is going on a long trip. Remember, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's going to be crucified. He's going to go back to heaven And he's going to return one day. So he's the man who's going on a long journey. He called together his servants. And the servants represent disciples. The disciples Jesus had then and those who follow him now. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver, which again is what? Talents. He gave five bags of silver or five talents to one, two bags of silver or talents to another, and one bag of silver or talent to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left to go on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account for how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. So think about it. The guy started with a hundred years of wages. He comes back with double that. 
200 years of wages. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver. How many years' wages? Two bags. Forty. So he has 80, 80 years' worth of wages, roughly. Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant. Doesn't this sound like excuses? I mean, right off the bat. The guy that didn't do anything, he just comes up with the excuses. Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. (gasps) Not expecting that. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. At least I could have gotten the minimum. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. It's kind of a sobering passage, isn't it? I think there are some principles here, and there are some principles that I want to unpack for just the next few minutes. First, I want you to see that God owns everything. God owns everything. That's not to say that you haven't worked hard for the things that you have. I I think about Donnie's dad yesterday when we were just in the hospital talking and, um, you know, of course, Mr. Eisenhower was not able to talk or respond in any way, but we were talking about his life. He grew up in the mountains in North Carolina He and Linda moved here when they were practically kids, early in their teen years, not much education. He moved into this area and started logging and made a tremendous life for himself. Not not a rich man, but he's done very well and he's worked really hard. He's raised three good boys who have three great families themselves. He has so much uh, to be proud of, and he has some things that are important to him. But those things, that money, that business, none of those things are really his. Everything belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. You've probably heard this before. It's almost 
like a cliche now, but it really is true. Um, you didn't bring anything into the world with you. And you're not going to leave with anything either. I've done many, many funerals. Lots of them in here, as a matter of fact. I've never seen a U-Haul trailer hooked up to a hearse. I've heard a lot of guys through the years say that they would be buried in their bass boat, but I've never seen it happen. You don't take stuff with you. you. You leave that. And maybe you leave it for your children, and maybe you leave it for another generation or two. But even if you become one of the most famous or um, maybe an historical person, even what you have after a few generations, it'll pass along to a historical society and they'll be in charge of it, not you. God owns it all. That's the first principle. The second principle is this. God is an investor. And he invests in us. Just like with these servants, he, he invests into their lives. And another way you could think about this is that for about 80 years or so, he entrusts us with things. Now, it could be silver and gold. It could be our money. But, but it's about other things too. It's about your talents, your ability, your gifts to do this and to do that. Like Todd is playing the drums for us this morning. He has a, a gift and an ability to be able to play the drums. Can you play the drums? Can you play? Because I can't either. So when I see someone like Kim play the drums or Jeremy play the guitar or hear Greta sing, I recognize that those are talents and abilities and gifts and I have none of those. But we don't own our talent. We don't own our gifts. We don't own our stuff. We don't own our abilities. God entrusts those to us for maybe 80 or so years. Another principle here is that we don't all have the same talents, do we? And that's regrettable. Well, I regret it just a little bit. I, I would love to be about 6'5". About 270. Arms about as long as Darby's legs. Mouthful of white teeth that look real good through the face shield of a helmet. Has Panthers decals on the side of it. We don't all have the same gifts and abilities though, do we? Sometimes we look at that and think, man, that's just not fair. That, that's not fair. Well, the passage says that God gives to everyone according to their abilities. And, and you know, the fact that we don't all have the same talents, gifts, and abilities is really a part of the mercy of God. That means that God doesn't entrust us 
with more gifts or more abilities or more power or more influence than we can handle. Can you imagine the pressure that a Warren Buffett deals with in his life? Because most of us, when we think of a guy like Kim or a Donald Trump, we just see millions and billions and we see traveling anywhere we want to go and trying to figure out really cool stuff we could buy with all of that money. But there are a lot of sad stories out there about people who kind of lucked into what they have, backed into it, and just can't handle it. We don't all have the same responsibilities in the world. Now, I don't know what your brand of politics is, but um, if you look at the president today in office versus when he came into the office, he's aged. They, they all do. It's because the president, whatever their brand is, they, they come in and they learn about things and they go to bed every night with things and they will for the rest of their lives Things that if we knew about it, it would make our hair turn gray really quick too. They have a kind of pressure that we don't know anything about. No, we're not all gifted the same. We don't all have the same talents and abilities, but we all have some. Some are above average. Some are average. Some are below average. And really, if you think about it, that's a horrible way of looking at it. Because even here, the guy with one bag of silver. Okay, if you found out today, you could get a bag of silver and gold. It weighs 75 pounds. But somebody else was getting five bags of gold. Would you just say, never mind, I don't think I want that one bag. If I can't have five, I just don't want any. No. How ridiculous would that be? I mean, sure, the guy with five bags of silver, yeah, he's, he's gotten more than you, but your talent is important. That 75 pounds of silver and gold is very valuable. And because it's valuable and because we are valuable, God expects us to be investors for him. He expects us to use our talents and our abilities. There are three men in the story, but only two categories of people. Faithful and unfaithful. The faithful servants invested the five bags and the two bags. And they were rewarded for it. They were praised. The Lord praised them for their investments. He praised them for the fact that they had used what God had given them. The other category is the unfaithful, and that's the one servant. And I'll be honest with you, the, the focus is not really on the, the guys with the five and the two bags of silver. The focus is on the man that had the one talent. 
but didn't use his talents, did not use his abilities. He buried it in a hole. I happen to think there are probably more of us one-talent people than fives and twos. And a lot of us one-talent people end up burying our talent. And I think for the same reason that this man gives here for not using his talent, he was afraid. I think that how this relates into the series that we're in right now, A Game Plan for Life, is that we let the fear of doing what God really wants us to do in our lives, with our lives, our talents, our abilities, our money, whatever, we let the fear of, of the unknown, and it's unknown because we are giving that back to Him And we're following his plan and doing what he wants us to do rather than following ourselves. And that seems more known to us. We trust ourselves with our lives, our gifts, our talents, our abilities more than we trust God. We are afraid to really follow God because we don't know where that goes to. We don't know where that leads. We don't know where we might have to move. We we don't know what kind of lifestyle cuts that may mean if we just go all in and invest everything that we have into God and his kingdom. So instead of going with God's plan, plan A, we go with our plan, which is plan B. And that's why most of us are frustrated and stuck in life. But you know, you can be five-talent people and two-talent people and bury your talent in a hole as well. One of the people that immediately comes to my mind right here is Whitney Houston. She, like lots of famous singers, you know, for current and for years going back, they grew up singing in church. Choir director and a choir, like with Whitney Houston, brought that, found that talent in her. You know, she had that talent that came from her family. God has gifted many of the people in her family with the ability to sing like that and to perform like that. But there was a point in her life where she walked away from doing it for the glory of the Lord and did it for the glory of Whitney. And I talk about her like I know her or like I've spoken to her. But I've just seen people like her through the years, and you have too. Maybe you just didn't know exactly how to think about it. But why does someone like Whitney Houston, who is on the top of the world, so successful? I mean, her skills and abilities, her capabilities are known throughout the world. And at one time had more money than she knew what to do with. Why does a person like that live like they're empty? Why do they they end up with handfuls of drugs and bottles full of alcohol 
Why do do they drown themselves into those things like that? It's because she, like many of us, she just buried her life in herself. She used those abilities not to bring glory and honor to the Lord, but to bring glory and honor to who she is. That doesn't mean that every now at the Grammys, uh, you know, uh, or it's the some uh, music show that an entertainer doesn't get up and uh, they say, you know, I just want to thank the, the Lord for this and all the things that he's done in my life. I'm not saying that they're, they're never sincere. But just because you kind of throw that in at the end of things, at the end of your success, like that's a good luck charm or a rabbit's foot, That's not using your talents for the glory of the Lord. The Lord was disappointed in this man because he buried his life. He played it safe. And I don't know about you, but I feel like at times in my life that the Lord's been disappointed with me because I've buried my talents and abilities in my own fears and in myself. But this passage is a warning. It's a warning that if you are the servant Burying your talent. To start investing your talent in the kingdom. Stop burying it in yourself. Stop living for yourself and start living for Him. And that's my invitation to you today. One day, I can't make you believe this. But one day, the things that you give the better part of your life for, the better part of your energy, the abilities, the talents, the gifts that God has given you, the things that you use those for most of the time, it's just going to be somebody else's junk one day. One day it won't matter. The only thing that will last is the fruit that you bear for God's kingdom, not yours. Today I want to ask you to stop living for yourself and start living for Jesus. Let's stand together for prayer.
just with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you to just consider, are you a five-talent person? Above average? Maybe a gold star person. I'm not talking about your value. We're all valued the same. Where do you think your talents are? Are you a two-talent person? Or are you like me? You're a one-talent person? And then what are you doing with your talents? I mean, really, to this point in your life, who are you living for? Because who you're living for today will matter tomorrow. What you're living for today will matter tomorrow and for eternity. Because one of the principles of this text is that one day the master will return. One day Jesus will come back and bring the kingdom of heaven with him. He'll bring an end to this age. And we'll give a full accounting of how we've used our gifts and our abilities, our time, our talents, our gifts, our strengths. If you've invested in his kingdom, he's already multiplied it. There will be a great celebration with that. If it's been all about you, be cast into outer darkness away from him so it's, if it's been about you would you change that right now in this moment and make it about him father there are folks in the room right now that are agreeing you know I, I haven't always lived my life for you Jesus and maybe they, there's guilt with that. But Lord, it's not our past that you're interested in. It's not the heretofore, it's the hereafter. You're interested in what we're willing to start doing right now. So Lord, I pray for those who are like-minded and like-hearted today. I feel like they need a new start and a new beginning where it's not about ourselves it's about you that we would just say in this moment lord i'm sorry for when life has been all about me today going forward i want to make it all about you and so jesus in the best way i know how i give you my heart and my life from this day going forward to make it about you. Thank you for loving me and saving me. Jesus, it's in your great name that we pray. Amen. We've got uh, just one song that we're going to do now. It's called Victory Chant. It's a, just a kicking song.
And uh, after that, our ushers are going to move to the exits, and they'll be there with the receiving baskets. I just want to tell you guys, it's so important that you give today. I thank you for your gifts. I thank you for your tithes and your offerings. And uh, I pray God's blessings on them. I pray that you would pray about our finances. I feel like it's my job from time to time to have to tell you, even though I hate talking about it, we had a really tough summer that we haven't recovered from. We're trying. We're getting there. This is a big week for us financially because our mortgage is due and those kind of things. And we just need our folks to give. And I'll leave it at that. I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to pray for Donnie's family. And if you can remember to pray for Natalie and Ivy, I would appreciate that. Don't forget to pray for the folks that are on the prayer list in our bulletin as well. And don't forget that in Jesus Christ, we have victory. We're not a people that should be walking around with our head always down, hanging low. Because no matter what we face in this life, because of Jesus, we have victory. New life, new start in Him. That's worth celebrating. God bless you guys.